You have been listening to sermon audio from Day 3 Church. We invite you to join us for one of our worship services. For more information, visit day3church.com. Good morning. Uh, Let's pray again. Father God, Lord, I thank you that you are a great God. Lord, that you are greater than our sin, that you are greater than our screw-ups. God, that you are greater than the pain and the suffering that we face in our lives. God, I thank you that you are a redeeming, forgiving, and loving God. Lord, I pray over these people. God, I pray that they would see the greatness of you and the greatness of your calling in their lives. God, I pray today that you would call them out. God, I pray that you would disturb us, that our hearts would turn in our chest to serve you and to be a part of what you are about, God. Lord, I thank you so much for Jesus, our Savior, that through him, We can enter into a relationship with you and we can know you and be a part of your story. So God, I pray that he would constantly be before us and that his example would constantly be what our lives seek. God, again, we just thank you for him and for that sacrifice. And it's in his sweet, sweet name we pray. Amen. All right, so we're in the second week of a sermon series called Five Lies of the Devil. And basically what we're doing in... This series is looking at some lies that we receive from Satan. Last week we looked at God will never put on you more than you can handle. And we looked at how that's a lie a lot of times that we see on motivational posters. I think it's really funny. Um, But how that's a lie that God will give us more than we can handle because he wants us to depend upon him. And the only way that we can make it through those hard times is if we depend upon him. If he never put on us more than we can handle, then we would depend on me. And you. And that wouldn't turn out so well. So last week we looked at how God puts on us more than we can handle so that we can focus on Him and that we can lean and grasp Him in our lives. Today we're looking at another lie of the devil that I believe runs really rampant, especially um, in my generation, and that is God can't use you. God can't use you. A lot of people my age may feel that way because of past sin in their life, because of family situations, because we have no money, um, stuff like that. And I feel like another uh, generation that that might hit home with are older people. I'm not calling any of you out. You know if you're old. Um, But um, people who think they're past their prime and that maybe God can't use me anymore. I've I've lived a full life. I've done everything that he's going to have me do. God can never use me. Um, So today we're going to be looking at how that is a lie straight from Satan. And we're going to be looking at what Scripture says about God's plan for your life. Uh, I'm going to be speaking first, uh, for the first half of the sermon, about how God has called us to reach the world around us, outside of these four walls, outside of this building. How God has called us to the city around us, how God has called us to the world around us. And the second half, Pastor Daryl's going to come and talk about how God has called us to be used in the church. Um, the body of Christ church, but also day three church as well. So we heard that some of you guys have been falling asleep during the sermon, so we decided to do, I'm just kidding. Um, but 
that's what it's going to look like today, a little bit different format, and we're really excited about it. Um, before we get started, I kind of want to hit where this, I feel like, hits the most, at least for me. Um, I feel like I believe this the most when there's sin in my life or when there's something going wrong in my life, maybe a family situation, uh, maybe a job situation. Um, I feel like that's probably when I feel like I'm the most useless um, from God. And God really brought this home in a weird way. God teaches me things in weird ways, in different ways. Um, And it kind of happened like this for me. Um, When I was in college, I was in a Christian fraternity which is kind of like an oxymoron, I feel like. Um, but that's here, here, neither here nor there. Um, but we uh, did a lot of camping trips as a bunch of dudes, like we love to do. And we were one weekend going to my friend Nick's uh, parents' cabin that they have out in the woods. And he's like from Eden, so it's like way out in the woods. Um, and we decided that we were going to build a fire. So me and Nick go a little bit early um, to get everything ready for everybody to come and to get all the fire stuff set up um, and to get all the food and stuff. And we actually go inside his parents' cabin, which they haven't been to since like the 80s. So we were actually looking for stuff to burn because they hadn't been there. Um, and we find all this stuff. But we come across these old canned foods. And one of them was like a can of corn, which corn's my favorite food. So I was like really excited because it's corn. Um, but it was from like the 1970s, so it was a little old. Um, so Nick, being the bright person that he is, sarcasm inserted here, Nick being the bright person that he is, is like, hey, let's just burn the corn. And I was like, oh, okay, I don't know about this. Um, so we go outside and start lighting the fire, and Nick just tosses the can of corn into the fire. And I'm like, I don't know how well this is going to go. And about that time, no lie, the whole thing just explodes. Like, the whole, everything, just boom. And it's louder than anything I've ever felt, anything I've ever heard before in my life. And, like, push me back. And as soon as it explodes, me and Nick turn and take off. Like, start running away from it. And as we're running away, I just feel all this stuff hitting me in the back. And I have no idea what it is because I'm running away. And Nick's, like, falling over on the ground. And he's like, Aah. And I was like, oh, man, I'm going to have to take him to the hospital. Um, but after everything calms down... Uh, I make sure he's okay, and then I realize that I literally have corn from the 1970s all over my coat, and it's all over Nick, and it smells horrible because it's from the 1970s. Um, And then we, like, start going around and looking at the area, and my tent literally had holes burnt in it where the corn landed on it and burnt through the tent. And, like, there's just, like, burning pieces of wood all over the place. And I was like, that could have really, like, hurt us. It, God was definitely looking out for us. But, like, it, that, the coat that I have still smells a little funky because this corn was all over it. Um, but as I was thinking about today, I realized a lot of times that's what our lives look like. A lot of times our whole world just blows up on us. Things happen in our lives that we never expect to happen. And whether that's because of our own sin just like Nick was the one that threw the corn in the fire, if it's something we got ourselves into, or whether it's something that we never expected, a lot of times our lives sometimes just explode all over us, and they smell horrible. Sometimes our lives just stink. And I feel like a lot of times that's where this lie, this, that's where Satan inserts this lie into our lives. Your life's going horrible. You've got sin in your life. And you don't deserve forgiveness, and God can't use you. 
And I feel like so many times, at least for me, that's what happens. So today what we're going to look at is how God is our Redeemer and how God has called us to more than the ho-hum regular life. So if you've got a Bible, go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 6. This may be a passage that you're familiar with, but I feel like it really uh, hits home onto what we're going to be looking at today. So Isaiah 6, I'll give you a second turn there. All right, here we go. Uh, Starting in Isaiah 6, we're going to read verses 1 through 5 first. They say this. In the year that King Uzziah died, so Isaiah's king just died. That kind of stinks. Um, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorpost and threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. And listen to what Isaiah says in response to all he sees. He says this in verse 5. Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Basically what's happening here is this is where Isaiah is called by the Lord. And things in Isaiah's surroundings, in his community right now, weren't so good. The king just died. Um, his city is falling apart. Uh, they're not following God anymore. And things are just going down the drain. Um, and then this great thing happens to Isaiah. He sees God before him in this temple. And God is there. And there's these seraphs, these these heavenly beings, and they're calling out to God, and they're flying around, and it's pretty awesome. Like, I feel like if that went down right now, we would all just be like, ah, like it would, I don't know if our sanctuary could handle the shaking of the doorpost. Um, but I feel like a lot of times that's us too, especially here at day three. We've seen God do some great things here. We've seen God bless day three in a lot of cool ways. Um, but Isaiah, being who he is, exclaims in verse five, woe is me, or more modernized, oh crap. Um, he's like, all this junk is going down and I'm not even worthy to be a part of this. I'm not even worthy to be here right now. Like, why is God even showing up in front of me? I'm a man of unclean lips. And scripture tells us those with unclean lips have unclean hearts. And he says, I'm from a people of unclean lips. And we're all just a bunch of screw ups. Why, why is God even showing up right now? Now, just a survey. How many people in here have ever screwed up? All right. Just making sure that Jesus wasn't here. If you are, nice to meet you. Um, we've all screwed up. We've all messed up. And we're all just like Isaiah. We have sin in our lives. And a good working definition of sin for me is when I fail to allow God to be who he is in my life. That's what sin is for me. And that pretty much encompasses everything. When I don't allow God to be God in my life. And all of us have went through times in our lives where that's been the case, where we've put something else in front of God, where we've said, uh, God, I know what you want from me, but I'm not going to do that right now. I've decided I'm going to do this. Um, and that's, that's pretty much where we stand. We all have that sin in our lives. And as screwed up as we are, God still invites us to be a part of what he's doing. 
Let's see what happens in verses 6 and 7. It says this. Then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand. Which is pretty crazy. I'm just saying. Which he had taken with tongs from the altar. With it he touched my mouth and said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. And your sin is atoned for. This is a beautiful picture in the Old Testament of what Christ does in the, for us when he comes and lives his perfect life and dies on the cross for our sins and is buried and resurrected. The seraph flew and grabbed this like hot coal, which is cra- like, that's crazy, right? Like he just goes and picks it up and he like touches Isaiah on the mouth. I mean, it just blows me away. And Christ has done the same thing for us. He has cleansed us of our sins. He has taken away our guilt. He has taken away our sin debt. And he has given us this freedom. I think a lot of times we believe that lie that God can't use you because we forget that God has forgiven us and that he has redeemed us and that he has made us new. If you'll spare me a couple of minutes, I would love to tell you guys some stories. Um, this summer... I worked a camp up in Black Mountain, North Carolina at Ridgecrest Conference Center called Centrifuge. Many of you have heard of it before. And basically what happens is churches bring their students there. And the students just hang out for the week. They do Bible study. We do worship. We play games. They do different stuff. And it's just a big bunch of fun. Um, And this was my third summer working. And this summer... uh, met a lot of students. I taught 11th and 12th grade Bible study, which is really cool because they're about to enter that adult part of life, so I feel like I can challenge them more. Um, But I met a few um, people that I want to tell you guys about this morning. The first one are two girls that were there week one of camp, which was the first week in June, and their names were Tess and Kaylee. Tess and Kaylee are really good friends. They're from the same church down, way down deep in South Florida, uh, where the alligators are. And um, they came to camp. Tess is a proclaimed atheist. She hates God, does not believe, well, she doesn't hate God because she doesn't believe in God. Um, and she wants nothing to do with the church. And the only reason she came to camp is because her mom made her. She told me that day one. Um, and then is her friend Kaylee. Kaylee is a believer, but she, when she came to camp, had been dealing with a lot of lies Satan had been putting in her. And the reason for that is because about five months before they came to camp, they had one of their friends die in a car wreck. And um, one lie that Kaylee began to believe because of that is that a week before he died, she and this guy that died in the car wreck had a fight. And she believed that God killed him because they had a fight. And she was dealing with that. And from that stemmed off the idea that she doesn't deserve forgiveness that she's unworthy to even be a Christian, that because God ended all of that guy's plans, God had no plans for her in her life at all, and that God didn't want to use her. Me and another staffer spent uh, one night talking to Kaylee till about one in the morning about God's love and God's redemption and God's forgiveness and God's plans for our life. And just because hard times had come upon her, just because things had blew up in her life, God still had a plan for her. And God still loved her. And God did not count her past against her because she was a believer in Christ. And what was so cool to see was the last day of camp when Kaylee walked into Bible study. She had physically changed. You could physically tell something was different about her. Her face was brighter and she seemed totally different. And because of that, 
Tess, this girl that doesn't believe in God, wants to have these conversations with me about what happened to Kaylee. Now, Tess didn't walk away that week a believer, and haven't heard from Tess since then, um, but have heard from Kaylee and how God is working her life and how she's seeing God at work in Tess's life and how she's being able to pour into Tess's life. And that is just a small story of how God can use us even when there's junk in our lives. Another story is a girl named Ashton that was there week six. It was about four weeks ago. Ashton, when she was small, witnessed her dad rape her sister. And she had this bitterness and this hate in her heart towards her father, but also towards God. She didn't understand how this could happen. She understood why it had happened. And she didn't understand where, to, where, where do I go from here? What do I do with this deep hurt that I have? And as we begin to talk to her and strip away those layers of hate and bitterness, somebody said, well, Ashton, have you ever prayed for your father? And that idea was the most foreign concept she had ever heard because she hated her dad. She had this bitterness to her, towards her dad. But we began to see God move in her life and slowly start to change her. And by the end of the week and in the weeks to come, we've heard about how Ashton has been praying for her father and has been sharing the gospel with her father. Now, those are extreme circumstances. And many of us have never been through something that hard before. But if God can use those girls in those situations, I can promise you that he can use you. Just like the seraph came and put the coals on Isaiah's mouth, Christ has come to forgive you. And he's come to make your life count for something more. A lot of times I think in my life, why, God, have you chosen me? And what, what do you want of me? And what do you want for me? And I think verse 8 explains it well when God calls Isaiah. And I feel like it's his calling on my life, but also for your life. Verse 8 says this. Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. Now, God didn't really have to ask Isaiah this question. Because if God wasn't calling Isaiah, he wouldn't have showed up in the first place. So it's kind of like a challenge, I feel, more than a question. Like, he's like, listen, Isaiah, I've revealed myself to you. I've cleansed you of your sins. Are you going to go? And Isaiah says, here am I. Send me. My challenge for you guys today is to embrace that. Embrace that statement that says, listen, I'm screwed up. I'm a person of unclean lips and unclean heart. And there's just a bunch of junk going on in my life. But God, if you'll have me, if you'll use me, here am I, send me. Here am I, I'll go. If I could be honest with you guys for a second. Well, I mean, I have up to this point. But if I could be real honest with you. um, Today... Uh, me and my family are leaving to go out to Portland so I can start seminary out there. Um, and one of the things that I'm going to miss the most about Day 3 Church, and one thing that I have been missing, um, that I haven't noticed as much in the past couple years, is how loving we are. For those of you who were here from the beginning, you will remember what it was like when there was like 50 or 100 of us and somebody new would come to church, and everybody would be like, oh, somebody new. And they would literally get like five or six hugs, 
and like we just jumped in on people's personal space and it got kind of creepy sometimes, but we just loved on people. And we would go out in the community and we would tell everybody about how awesome day three was and about how God was doing great things. My fear is that we stop doing that. That we've decided to start believing that life, saying, oh, God can't use us in the community. We're too big. There's too many people here. There's no way I could possibly meet everybody at church. Or that person's going to think I'm weird if I introduce myself to them at church. Or why should I even try? I think I'll just come sit in church and then go home after church and that'll be the end of it. And I'm not required of anything else. But I want you to know that I know this from the bottom of my heart. That God is calling this church to be a light in this city. To be a light in this community. I am sick and tired of seeing Christians who have so much potential, but all they do is come on Sunday mornings and sing, our God is greater, our God is stronger, our God is healer, greater things you have for this city, and then they just go home. And they don't say it anywhere else but in this building. God has called you to proclaim his name amongst everyone. And what good is it if you just come here and say it, but you don't say it out there? What good is your faith? Are we not broken for what breaks God's heart? It reminds me of Jonah. If you remember at the end of the story of Jonah, um, he goes up on the hill to sit and watch Nineveh be destroyed. Like he's this bitter guy and he's like, yeah, maybe God will still destroy him even though they've turned. You know, and like God brings this vine and grows it up over Jonah's head and then the vine withers and dies because a worm ate it. And Jonah gets really mad. He's like, I'm so mad I could die. And God's like, why are you so concerned over that dumb plant? You didn't even plant that plant. I caused it to grow. And should I not be more concerned for Nineveh? Are we so consumed with ourselves and being successful, having a nice car, having a nice house, and having our two and a half kids with our white picket fence? Are we so concerned with ourselves that we've forgotten what God has said? God is saying, whom shall I send Who will go for me? He's saying that just as much then, and he's saying that today as well. Who is going to be my light in Caldwell County? Who is going to be my light in Hickory? Who is going to share in my story in this area? And my challenge for you today is to say, here am I, send me. At camp, when we talk about missions, we really talk about three different words. Those words are pray, pray, give, and go. I want to challenge you guys today to do those three things. Pray. Ask God for opportunities. Ask God for courage to step up when that opportunity happens. People ask me all the time, Adam, why, why, how did you get to where you are in your relationship with Christ? Or why, How can you go serve in all these places? And how can you do all these things? I don't, it's nothing I did. Like, I'm not awesome. I'm a really crappy person. And I stink a lot of the time. But the reason that I feel like God has given me these opportunities is because I simply said, I'll do whatever you want me to, God. Because I've seen him do such amazing things in other people's lives. I'm like, I want to be a part of that. Whatever you want me to do, God, I'm going to do that. And if you would pray that prayer, I promise you God will give you opportunities to serve him. The second is to give. I'm not going to talk about giving money. I'll let... My dad talk about that since he's on staff here. Um, but 
I want to talk about giving your energy and your time and your gifts, which kind of also goes with go, so give and go, paired together. Find ways to serve. He's going to talk about serving here at day three, but I want you guys to find ways to serve in your community. Find ways, whether that's at your job, whether that's at school, find ways to speak love into people's lives and just love on people. Because that's what God's called us to do. He's not called us to come have cool worship. He's not called us to come uh, have cool videos. He's not called us to any of this. He has called us to go and make disciples of all nations. Some of you may be called to those nations, or some of you may be called right here to Cobble County. But I can urge you to go. It reminds me of a passage in Hebrew, chapter 12. Uh, it starts off in verse 1, saying this. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. When it says, therefore, we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, the writer of Hebrews is referring back to chapter 11, where he talks about um, all of the uh, heroes of the faith, all of these people who have come before and what I want to point out is those people you're talking about are people like Abraham, talking about people like Moses, um, Rahab, people like that. And a lot of times we kind of put those people up on pedestals like Moses. Man, he led the Israelites out of Egypt. He was a pretty legit guy. But a lot of times we forget that Moses had a speech impediment and he couldn't speak really well. We put guys like David who wrote the Psalms up on a pedestal like, man, David, he was a pretty awesome dude. But we forget that he slept with another guy's wife and then had that guy murdered. We talk about people like Abraham and Sarah who God said, you're going to have a child. And Sarah laughed. She's like, no way. Talk about people who did all of these great things for God, but they had all their screw-ups too. So I don't want you for a second to believe that God can't use you even in your sin. God is saying, who's going to go for me? Who is going to be my light in Cabo County, Catawba County, wherever you live? Who is going to go for me? My question is, are you willing to step up and say, send me, God. Here am I. Send me. That's all I have to talk about the world. Um, talk about sharing your faith amongst your friends. Uh, you can come on out. <laughs> Ta-da! pretty cool i mean up here um he's going to talk about the world i mean not the world the church and uh-oh you did it now um talk about how god has called us to serve in the church it's all yours for those of you who don't know no we're known as pete and repeat okay uh steve hall would you pray for me It has been a highlight for me to, uh, one of the highlights of my life so far, uh, to be able to share with him today. This is the first time he and I have done this together, uh, 
Now, he, Pastor Lynn, and myself, I think, did it one time together, but this is the first time that Adam and I have been able to share together uh, from, from the platform. And he's spoken to you today of his experiences uh, from his time of, of serving the Lord in different you know, places, situations, and peoples that are as different as night and day. Uh, Adam did not share with you that he is, and I'm not bragging on Adam as much as I'm bragging on God, how he, God has used him in faraway locations as Uganda and in Poland and Macedonia to speak truth into people's lives. And uh, so he, he shared with you out of, out of that perspective. And everything he shared with you, God has used to change him. And I want you to know that God can use to change you. Because uh, everything he shared with you, uh, you know, is truth. Truth from God's word. And I want you to know today, right from the get-go, from what I want to share with you, is that God, in fact, does have a plan for your life. That God desires, wants to use you in his plan, his plan to redeem the world. Now, that truth alone ought to simply blow your mind that God wants to use you in his plan. So the remainder of our time this morning, real quick, I want to share with you how God wants to use you, me, in serving him through church, Big C Church, and through Day 3 Church. First thing, I know some things that are true of everyone in this room this morning. First thing I know that is true of everyone in this room this morning is that is this. You were created to serve God. You were created to serve God. Let's look at this verse from Ephesians 2. God has made us what we are. And in our union with Christ Jesus, he has created us. Why? For a life of good deeds, which he has already prepared for us to do. You and I were not put on this earth just to consume resources. We were put on this earth to make a contribution. You were not put on this earth to work your 9 to 5 job, or 8 to 5, whatever that may be, whatever your work schedule is. You were not made to, created for that, to do that day in and day out. Come home, eat fried foods, get real fat, and then sit in your chair and get carpal tunnel syndrome doing this. That wasn't the reason God created you. God, God did not create you for your hobbies, the things that you enjoy. I love to hunt. God didn't create me, create me to be a hunter. Okay, That wasn't why I was created. God created me. God created you for serving him, for serving him. These good works right here, good deeds that Paul talks about right here, is our service to God, serving him by serving others. And again... God has a plan for your life. God has a plan for my life. Let's look at what Jeremiah said was God's plan for his life. This is God talking to Jeremiah, okay? Before I made you in your mother's womb, I chose you. Bam. Right there you go. I have a plan for you, Jeremiah. I chose you. My hand is on you. Before you were born, I set you apart for a special work. That is true of you. That is true of me. God has a plan for your life, my life, a special work. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. 
Now, God may not appoint you as a prophet to the nations, but I will submit to you that God has appointed you to a specific purpose, a specific job, a specific work in his kingdom, in advancing the kingdom. You were put on this earth for a special reason. Now, in my hands, I have my trusty eyeglass case. And I will put these on while I talk. Not that I need them on to see you, because some of you right now are really blurry. Okay? Don't throw anything, because I won't see it coming. This case was designed for one purpose. Now, I would admit it could be used for different purposes, for different reasons. But the creator, the designer of this glass case, designed it for one reason. And that is to hold these. No other reason. That was his plan. The designer. God's the same way. He designed you for a reason, a special purpose. You were created to serve God. (laughs) No other reason. Not to enjoy life. Not to party all the time. Not to do this, not to do that. You were created to serve God. Serve God. The next thing is that you were saved to serve God. Saved to serve God. And when I say saved, I'm talking about God changed your life. You're now a Christian. You committed your life to Him. You uh, are following Christ. You are a believer. That's what I mean by when I say saved to serve God. God transformed your life for that reason. Look at this verse from 2 Timothy 1. It is He, talking about God, who saved us and chose us for His holy work. Why? Not because we deserved it, but because that was His plan long before the world began which is to show his love and kindness to us through Christ. You were saved to serve. We were redeemed so we could do his holy work here on earth. Have you ever thought and wondered about why a person, when they trust Christ, when they follow Jesus, that God doesn't immediately take us out of this world? We pray, say, God, I confess my sins to you and I... Trust you as my Lord and Savior. And bam, presto, we're in heaven. Why are we still here to endure life and all the junk that life so many times brings us? Why do we do that? Why do we have to live through that? (laughs) It's to serve God. That's why. That's why we're still here. It's not about you. God did not save you because of your service. God saved you for service. There's a big difference there. Big difference. He saved you for your service. And he leaves us here to fulfill the purposes. His purposes in our life. His purpose of redeeming the world for him. That's why we're still here. And God intends us, intends to use us, For his goals. God has a ministry for you. He has a purpose and a plan for you. For your life. Where you are 24-7. 
But I would submit to you today that God has a ministry for you in this church. Day three. For you see, in God's kingdom, you do have a place. You do have a purpose. You have a a role and a function to fulfill. When you and I do that, when we serve and, and commit our lives to serving God, it brings value to our lives. It brings significance to our lives. I heard a guy say one time that you're most like Jesus when you're serving. When you're serving him. Not when you're sitting in a pew and raising your hands for worship. You're most like Jesus when you're serving. And you'll see that in just a moment when we use a verse here in just a moment. You know why I serve? It's not because God called me into the ministry over 21 years ago. I serve because of the joy, out of a a heart of joy, out of a heart of gratitude and thankfulness of what God did for me when he changed my life as a 15-year-old boy. I serve him as an act of thanksgiving, what he has done for me, what he is doing for me in the present tense. That's why I serve. I hope you realize this morning you owe God your life. I mean, you can't get any more simple than that. You owe him your very existence, serving him as an act of gratitude and thanksgiving should be our motivation. Let's look at what Paul said in Romans 12. So then, my brothers, because of God's great mercies to us, I appeal to you. Offer yourselves as a living sacrifice to God, dedicated to his service and pleasing to him. This is the true worship, true worship that you should offer. Paul is saying here that worship is not on Sunday morning at 8.30 or 10.30 at Day 3 Church in Caldwell County, North Carolina. Paul is not saying that. Paul is saying is, what he's saying here is that a living sacrifice, where you find yourself Tuesday morning, 10 o'clock, whether that be in a classroom at high school, whether that be hard at it at your job, whether that means you're sitting in traffic, wherever you find yourself, our lives should be a living sacrifice. That is worship. Not here. It's easy to come here and worship. The environment we create makes it easy, if you will, to worship. But out there, that's where a living sacrifice is hard. I love what the Apostle John says right here in 1 John. Check this out. Our love for each other proves, wow, proves that we have gone from death to life. But if you don't love each other, you are still under the power of death. Paul, excuse me, John is saying here that our service to others, our loving service to others shows that we are truly saved, that we're truly changed. We are, have been transformed by the grace of God, by our service to others, and others can see that. So, listen, if I have no love for others, no desire to serve others, and I'm only concerned about my needs, maybe if I just describe you, maybe you should question whether Christ is really in your life if you've trusted him as your Savior. Because I know this to be true. A saved heart, get this, a saved heart, a changed life is one that wants to serve. I know that to be true. 
It is true for all of you. A changed life is a life that wants to be one of service. Does that describe you? Or are you only concerned about yourself? Adam just said it a moment ago. Does the things of God that break his heart break your heart? Does it bother you? To see a single mom struggling to raise kids. Does it bother you to see folks who live on the streets? Does it break your heart? It breaks God's heart. We should ask ourselves, God, does why are things breaking my heart that break your heart? And the dirty little secret is this. If you even have to ask that question, there's a problem. You shouldn't have to ask God, does the things that break your heart break mine? They should automatically, as a believer, as a Christian. They should already do that. The third thing is this. You are called to serve God. You are called to serve God. Growing up, you may have thought as, as, as a popular held belief that when you hear the words called uh, by God was something that applied only to missionaries or the pastors or full-time staff at a local church. Uh, but I want to, uh, to share with you this morning and tell you this morning for you to know and understand that the Bible says every Christian is called to service. Is called to service. Let's look at some verses from 1 Corinthians. Paul says, To the church of God in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, and called to be holy, together with all those, everyone who call in the name of the Lord, our Lord Jesus Christ, their Lord and ours. Let's skip ahead to verse 9. God, who has called you into fellowship with his Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, is faithful. Let's look at the next one. Nevertheless, each one of you should retain the place in life that the Lord assigned to him and to which God has called him. Now, let me stop for a second right here. Some of you may uh, know and be familiar enough with 1 Corinthians 7, that area of the Bible right there, that that is in the context talking of marriage. I recognize that. Okay? I'm not taking this verse out of context. I want you to understand that wherever God has you, in your place in life, whether that be married, single, wherever you are in life, retired, divorced, wherever you are in life, God has called you. That is the, what I want you to hear in this, this verse. God has called you. And your salvation goes hand in hand with your service to God. In other words, you can't have the one without having the other. There go hand in hand. It includes your service. So in other words, regardless of your job, regardless of your career, whether you work 50 hours a week, 30 hours a week, whether you are a stay-at-home mom, whether you are whatever you do for a career, if, even if you're self, uh, self-employed, unemployed, it doesn't matter. You are called, I am called to full-time Christian service wherever we find ourselves. Wherever we are, we're called to that. Look at this on the screen. 
I've seen this and I thought, holy smokes, this is so true. A non-serving Christian is a contradiction of terms. You see why that's a contradiction? Because a Christian is a servant. A Christian serves. Serves God by serving others. That's how you know. This verse from first, second, excuse me, 2 Timothy 1 is really awesome. He saved us and called us, called us to be his own people. Why? Not because of what we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. He gave us this grace by means of Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Not because of what we've done, but because of his purpose. That's why he's changed us. That's why he saved us. So, I need to ask the question, how much of the time, how much of your time are you being useful in the service of God? We really, you really hear us say it a lot around here that if you've been attending day three for some time, your next step in your spiritual journey, your faith journey is church membership. And we really would love for, for you to become members of our church. You need to be connected to a church family. We believe that the Bible clearly teaches that in the New Testament of where you need to be a part of a local body of believers to where God can use you in the functioning and in the purposes of that local body. Ministering, helping fellow believers and non-believers alike in practical ways. You need to understand that God has called every one of you, every one of us, to belong not just to attend, but to belong. God has called you and I to own the ministry of this church. Day three church is not about Pastor Lynn Parsons or Pastor Daryl Triplett or Wendy Newell as leader of our worship teams. It's not about none of us. It's about all of us, a body, functioning together to serve and fulfill the purposes of God. And each one of you have a role to play in that. Each of you have a part to play in that. And every role is important. There is no small service to God. It all, it all matters. Check out this verse from 1 Corinthians. All of you together are Christ's body. All of us together are Christ's body. And each of you is a part of it. Each of us makes up the body. If you don't hear anything else this morning, you need to hear that your service is desperately needed in the life of our church. It's desperately needed in the life of Day 3 Church. See, there's, no, there's, there's not any insignificant ministries as far as Pastor Lynn and I are concerned. What do you mean? The person who handed you your updates when you walked in the door is as important as my butt sitting here speaking to you right now in the functioning of this body. To the person who greeted you in the parking lot, they're just as important as Wendy, Nicole, or Will up here leading worship to the functioning of this body. That's what you've got to bear in mind, the functioning of the body as a whole. And it takes every part of the body to make it happen. Well, what happens if one part of the body gets tired? One part of the body gets fails to function, to do its part. Well, let's take uh, physical 
maybe a physical illustration here. What if your liver were to say to the lungs, to the heart, to your kidneys, I'm tired. I want a break. I want a year off just to be fed. I need some time for myself. And I know what's best for myself. Let some other part of the body take over. What would that happen? The body would die. The body would die if that were to happen, if your liver were to say that. Some of you, because of your unwillingness to step up and serve and volunteer in this church and help, to do your part of the function of the body, other body parts of this body called Day 3 Church are suffering. Because of your unwillingness, other parts of the body are tired. Other parts of the body need your help. So the whole body can function as God, God, not Daryl or Lynn, God designed for it to function. That is God's plan. Not Daryl's plan, but God's plan. I went to a wedding yesterday, and uh, I'd already got this in my notes before I even went to the wedding yesterday, but it was, the point was kind of driven home by God yesterday morning while I was sitting there in the pew. And uh, so I was like, I want to just keep going for it here. There may be some of you today here, that are here today and you're a Christian. You've been attending for some time. And, and you may even be a member, and that's great and wonderful. Praise God. We thank you for that. And, and you show up every week. You bless my heart. You bless Pastor Lynn's heart by being here every week or every two weeks, whatever that may be. But instead of treating this body, the church, like the bride of Christ, which this book says she is, you treat it like a prostitute taken from her and not giving and not serving like God has created you for, like God has saved you for, and like God has called you to do. And the body suffers if you don't, if I don't fulfill our calling. Now, what I just said, if that offended you, I got a pretty, I am pretty confident that you're not as offended as God is offended by our lack of stepping up, by our lack of not willing to serve him, by our lack of, uh, of not setting aside maybe some things that we need to set aside that really should, is not a priority if you want to boil it down. We should give our lives to things that bring about life change in people. I love this verse from Matthew 20, 28. Your attitude must be like my own. It's Jesus speaking. For I, the Messiah, did not come to be served, 
but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. So you want to be like Jesus? You have to serve. That's plain and simple. I mean, he said it. That's not Daryl's words. That's his words. You want to have the attitude of Jesus? What's the attitude of Jesus? A servant's attitude. Not a me first attitude. You want to have the characteristics of Jesus in your life? You have to give yourself to and for others. That is it. I absolutely love the fall. I mean, it is getting here quick. Thank God. And it's not because I love hunting. <laughs> I do. I love to hunt. Okay? But I love the fall because in many churches, the fall and spring are great times to, to transition, to transform, to refresh ministries in the church. And that is why I love the fall. That is going to be no different this fall with our church. We're going to do just that around here. What are you talking about? Well, what I want to speak to about here just for a few moments is that is about our children's ministry. I am really excited and jacked up about that. We are going to uh, refer to our children's ministry as D3K, which stands for Day 3 Kids. And what we do on Sunday mornings for our kids, and when I say children, I'm speaking of grades 1 through 6. I'm not speaking of the preschoolers, okay? Uh, speaking of the children. We will begin calling in September, our children's ministry will be known as The Wave, W-A-V-E. We are in the process of transforming two rooms upstairs into an environment where your children, your child can be a child, where your children, a kid can be a kid, where the hour, hour and a half that they're here with us on Sunday morning will be their favorite hour of the week, where they will be dragging your butt to church instead of you dragging their butt to church. That's the kind of place we're creating upstairs. Why are you telling us this? Because you need to know that when we do this first Sunday in September, we transition all this, the children will no longer be in here as you see them here on Sunday mornings. Everything that our children are doing will be self-contained upstairs. We'll be, be providing worship. We'll be doing large group teaching. We'll be doing, have interactive videos. This, we, just like as we do here on Sunday morning here in adult worship, we have our months themed. We have series just like Five Lies of the Devil. Children's ministry will have series just like we do down here. There'll be drama. It will be unbelievable, and I am so excited and jacked up about it. Well, Daryl, I don't have a child no more. Mine's grown up. That's good. <laughs> you can help. But, Daryl, I can't teach. That's cool. Not everybody's called to be a teacher. Not everyone's, ever, not everyone's gifted to be a teacher. When we were doing fellowship a minute ago, these kids were right here, and I went up and high-fived every one of them. When I did that, you would have thought I put a $20 bill in their hand. I had made their day. You can encourage a child. Hey, glad you're here. There's going to be so many ways that you can serve upstairs. I'm not asking you to, to be up there every Sunday and take you out of adult worship. That is the one thing that's cool about two services. You can serve up there at 
be here in 1030. Or come at 830 in here, be up there at 1030. That's the cool thing about two services. Oh, that's too much time to give. What are you going to do? Go home and get in the chair and watch TV. Give me a break. Give your life to something that's going to last. The transforming of a life. You know, that's why we have church. You do know that, don't you? So that the generation coming behind you will carry on the faith. Duh. Be used of God. There are other ministries in our church that you can step up and help out in. Our worship team ministries. Wendy Newell is leading those, doing a fantastic job. Thank God for her. Brad McBride and Brandy are leading our student ministries, doing unbelievable works. Elaine Talbert's leading our guest services, which includes our ushers, our greeters, and our parking lot folks. Many ways, different ways that you can step up and serve and help the body function as God intended it for it to function. When we're finished in here this morning, in the connection area, you're going to have an opportunity to go out there and sign up on a piece of paper expressing interest in serving. When you put your, if you put a name, your name on that paper and give us some contact info, you're not committing to service. You're just saying, hey, I'm interested. Contact me. We'll talk. That's basically what you're doing. I'm not asking you for a commitment. I'm asking you to, to express some interest in one of these different areas of service. You, there's, it's impossible for you to come to this church and say, well, there ain't no poor I can serve. There ain't no place where I can help. That's baloney. You're, if you believe that, you're believing the lie of Satan. God can't use you. You're believing that lie. God wants to. God desires for you to be used in this church. My challenge to you is to act on that. To act on that. Fulfill your role as part of the body. God is, Adam spoke to it just a moment. God has blessed this church unbelievably in will be eight years in October of our existence. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. But I can say with confidence that God has so much more in store. Amen. <laughs> there are more people in this county who will not attend anybody's church than that will attend somebody's church today. I hope you're not naive. Your thinking is not naive enough to think, well, everybody goes to church in this county. Well, granted, there is a church on every corner, but they're not all full. There's still more to reach. The last song that Nicole and, and the teams performed was, Greater Things Have Yet to Be Done. I believe that. I believe with all my heart that God, God wants to use this church to make greater things happen. It is the desire of Pastor Lynn, it is my desire that you own that truth that God wants to use you for greater things, for His honor, His glory, and for the good of people. That's why. No other reason. Own that truth. So are you going to believe the lie of Satan? I beg you, don't. Don't believe that lie. Believe the truth. God created you for serving Him. God saved you for serving. 
and that God has called you to serve. Those are truths from His Word. So, if you're tired of your life and the way it's going, may I suggest that you serve someone? It's amazing what it does for you. Amazing. Because you're never more like Jesus when you're, than when you're serving somebody. God wants and desires to use you. The only question that's left to be asked is, will you? Will you allow him to? I beg you, do not believe the lie. Believe the truth. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for this time that we can share these great truths from your word. Lord, that you create us for service, that you saved us, changed our lives to serve you, that you have called us to serve you. God, there may be some in this room who believe that lie of Satan. God, we ask that you to help them to understand and realize that the truth of your word has shown the light of the darkness from Satan's lie. Lord, there may be some in this room who've never, ever served or volunteered. Lord, help them to understand that Lord, all you ask is their availability and you will bless them with abilities. Lord, that your power will be upon us, Lord, and that your word will yet be true again, that you will do more than we could ever ask or imagine in Christ Jesus. Lord, for those who are here who call day three their home, who are members, who are attenders who need to become members, God, we ask that you help them to understand how vital and important they are to the functioning of this body. Lord, as we go through this time of response, I ask God to help all of us do some reflection and ask, am I doing all I can? Am I serving the body or am I making the body suffer? Give us courage, God, to obey what you call us to. Fortune cross them, I pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand. Pastor Lynn and Adam and myself will be here, and we'll be glad and honored to speak with you, pray with you. you we're, we're not ignorant enough to, you know, to believe that maybe you, there's some things that's happened in your past week, in this past week in your lives that, that is totally unrelated to anything and everything that we shared this morning. But you would just like to come and, and speak with us and just have us pray for you. That's cool. We'd love and be honored to we'd love to honor be honored to do that for you and with you. I just want you to think about what's been shared this morning. The message may have been harsh. Don't think, don't think please don't think bad of the messengers. <laughs> the message is what should challenge you, not the messengers, because the message is from God's word. It's what we do in response to that message is what matters. So what will you do?
Nicole's going to lead us. If you need to come here and pray, that's great. If you need to come here and share with one of us, that's wonderful. You are listening to Sermon Audio from Dathan Church. If you have any questions about God, faith, or our church, email us at info at dayfreechurch.com. And for more information, find us on the web at dayfreechurch.com.